Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris, from Lace Partners. Thank you very much for joining us. This podcast today, we've decided to go all AI and future of work thinking. I'm going to explain a little bit about why we've uh, chosen to go down that route, because I'm sure you, lovely listener, much like me, have seen and read and heard and watched about a billion different things to do with AI, and everyone wants to have a hot take on AI. Whether or not we'll have any hot takes today, I don't know. But what we will do is use the benefit of what we've heard and hopefully it can add some value to your lives as well. But before we go into the nub of that, it would be remiss of me not to introduce our fabulous guests today. I guess, I guess they're sort of guests, but they're not really because uh, they've been lacers and they are lacers. It's uh, Charlie Frost. How are you doing, Charlie? Can you tell our listeners who you are, why you're here and uh, what you do at Lace? Thanks, Chris. So I'm Charlie Frost. I'm a senior consultant at Lace Partners, but also my current role as AI champion. So helping to understand and promote all things AI at Lace. Yes, uh, Charlie is a Chelsea fan, so do not hold that against him. I know I certainly don't. He's a lovely gent. And Tim Ringo, who is also joining us. Tim, can you tell our lovely listeners, I'm sure some of them have heard your dulcet tones before because we've had you on the pod four, five, six times, but uh, just introduce yourself and tell us where you are right now in the world. <laughs> Well, at the moment, I'm in very warm and not so sunny Jakarta down in Indonesia. So I'm in the Southern Hemisphere. I'm down here doing some speaking engagements, but it gets to what do I do? Well, these days I'm an author, conference speaker, and also board advisor to um, companies on sort of all subjects around human capital. And these days, one of the hottest topics and the thing I get asked about the most is uh, how is artificial intelligence going to be harnessed in organizations? So we're going to talk about that today. So, and that's actually what my next book is about. It's going to be called Demystifying the Digital and AI Workplace. Yes. And that is why I wanted to get both Charlie and Tim on today, because as we are recording at the time, it's uh, mid-January and over the Christmas period and right at the beginning of January, I, I, as I said, I saw a lot of hot takes with regards to AI and particularly in the HR space. Now, in June of last year, I went to a conference called Ivanta, which is run by the lovely people at Gartner. And I was surrounded by a room full of CHROs. And during the breaks, I got chatting to one collective of CHROs, CPOs, just talking about what impact it could have. And nobody really had an answer as to how it could impact HR. They were talking about it. They knew that it will play some sort of role because, you know, this was seven, eight months or nine months since ChatGPT, which is the generative AI system that had been launched by the business uh, OpenAI, had debuted. And they sort of knew that it would have an impact, but they weren't really sure why. There's been since been lots and lots of conversations. And I just I stored that conversation in my head because what was interesting with that particular chat was that they were saying, well, we have lots of personal information. There's lots of information that we wouldn't want to just feed into a an open sourced platform where our 
company sensitive details are then freely available. Like I said, I stored that. And then in the last sort of week or so of us recording, there's been lots of talk because ChatGPT themselves or OpenAI, the business, have created this thing called Custom GPT, which the theory of the concept, if I'm right, is that it effectively enables you to ring fence your information, that it could be company sort of sensitive within your own sort of firewall, if you like, and then you can leverage the technology behind ChatGPT to actually still use generative AI, but to do it within your own terms and not worry about you know, data leak or breaches or anything like that. So that's the preamble. I'm not the expert. I've brought the experts in for it. So Charlie, I'll kick off with you and then I'll go with Tim. Can I just get some thoughts on that? Let's talk a little bit about this idea of custom GPT. And is this the panacea that HR teams have been waiting for? I think it's a really interesting development, especially seeing the rate of change and the new tools that are coming out. I don't think it's the silver bullet that will solve all problems, especially for HR functions. I think what it will be is in the short term, a very useful tool for narrow use cases. So I think in situations where, as you said, organizations still don't fully understand what are the implications for their data and security and and with that shorter track record compared to larger enterprise organizations, it might take time for, for organizations to really work out if this tool by OpenAI is, is viable at, at the commercial level. But what smaller organizations, those smaller HIR teams could be experimenting with is in those narrow use cases around knowledge management, or maybe it's for onboarding. Maybe it's it's around using that lower risk data, especially in the meantime, that might be something that you could find on a, on a company intranet. So maybe it's about upskilling your HR team in something or helping onboard your employees. I could see there being some situations where in those narrow use cases where the data is not highly sensitive and highly confidential, you could be training one of these systems on that, that sort of data and it could have value in the short term. I think still where the more mature organizations will be looking to actually, in the current state, will be looking to larger enterprise platforms, Workday and the like, where the AI functionality is built in and it's throughout the, the system. I think that's really where there'll be this split level of some organizations, the smaller, less mature ones might be exploring some of these tools as being more accessible. But the larger organizations that are thinking more long term will still be looking for the larger platforms that have these functionality built in throughout. Tim, can I get your thoughts from that perspective? Yeah, sure. Just building on what Charlie was talking about there, I think it's important to sort of state up front what we're talking about, right? So we're not talking about the kind of AI that's self-aware or is like Hal from 2001, right? That That is coming. We're, we're getting much closer to that. And these will be like systems that are like oracles. We can talk to them and they give us amazing insights. We're not there yet. Where we're at is this very narrow artificial intelligence uh, like ChatGPT, which I think is still incredibly powerful. I think just the last year, there's been just a lot of high around it. I think that's okay. I think it's creating awareness. I think this is the, the next biggest inflection since the internet was commercialized in the early 2000s. So I do think it's a big deal, but I do think we have to kind of rein it in a little bit um, and be really clear about what it can do and what it can't do. But absolutely, I think ChatGPT opening up its generative AI to companies to customize it and then also to sort of, you know, create your own versions of it using apps is, is going to be really powerful. So I think we'll see in 2024, we'll start to see where it actually starts 
starts to get commercialized and useful for organizations, much like the internet did in the early 2000s. That took three or four or five years. I think it's only going to take a year or so to make this commercialized and useful inside organizations. So that that's what's great. But we need to be really clear about what we're talking about. But if you've ever read any of my books or blogs or anything, you know, I'm, I'm the productivity guy. I look at everything from how do we create more productivity therefore then create more GDP and wealth in the world. And I absolutely agree with Goldman Sachs, who came out a few weeks ago and said, look, generative AI is going to at least add 1.5% of GDP growth across the globe over the next five years. I think that's way underestimated, but still they're very big on it and bullish on it in that that's going to impact the world tremendously. If you just so slightly increase GDP, it increases living standards dramatically. But you're talking about 1.5%. That's huge, right? We don't have time to get into that, but it's, it's you know, it has huge potential. Charlie, you said something in the green room, shall we call it, just beforehand, which I really want to just pick up on, actually. And it's around your perspective around Gen AI. And again, going back to me talking about it being the panacea and people thinking that this is, or HR people thinking this is going to, you know, impact us massively and, you know, this can solve all of our problems. Can you just sort of elaborate on that? Because obviously I didn't hit the record button then, so uh, I couldn't catch yeah. it. When we're talking about AI and generative AI, especially the impact for businesses, putting in the perspective of businesses and HR functions, there is a lot of noise around Gen AI. I think it's it's the piece that people are latching on to right now, especially in the news. But from my perspective, I'm relatively skeptical in terms of its value in the long term. I think generative AI is, is very powerful and I think it has a lot of potential. But I think what it will become is very mainstream very quickly. I think we are already getting used to using these tools and I think it will be commonplace in our personal lives and in our work lives. I think the more interesting element of AI and the development from my perspective is in the value of AI and its decision-making capability, its predictive capability, which ultimately is what it does. It's a very powerful prediction engine. And I think for HR functions and for businesses, ultimately, they will be looking at where investments in AI will lead to the the best return on investment. And that is the area and improved decision-making at a strategic level, whether that's investment in talent or strategic initiatives across HR, learning, skills, all of these things we've talked about as being really big trends in 2024. I think these are the areas, the mature strategic thinking HR functions will be looking at. So how can we introduce this enhanced decision-making element that will help us make better predictions and, and ultimately more informed investments in where we're putting our people and our, our money? Tim, from your point of view, so HR to me, again, I'm a simple marketer, but what I've heard from some people is that HR as an entity are often quite risk averse. And Charlie was there talking about investments and you know how much time taken in investments. Do you see HR being a bit risk averse when it comes to really going all in on trying to find ways in which Gen AI can help to drive their business? Or do you think that they'll almost be a bit of a follower rather than a leader? Is this, I guess the question is, is this where, is AI where businesses, HR teams are going to be spending their uh, hard fought budgets this year? I would say probably spending lots of money on it might be a year or two off for HR. However, I'm quite bullish about um, HR. And in fact, HR have been some early adopters of AI going back quite a few years now because Workday and SuccessFactors systems have already had built into it certain aspects of machine learning and artificial intelligence, particularly in the recruitment 
area. So I would I would put forth that I think HR have actually been some early adopters, probably not knowing it, um, that we were maybe not necessarily five years ago calling it artificial intelligence, um, but they were early adopters. And I do think that they're going to continue to be early adopters. They're going to be leaders. I don't know. We'll see. I think you're right. I do think that there's some risk aversion there, but I think there's potential for HR to at least be on curve with the rest of the organization, but also the potential to lead because not only recruiting, but it can be used for onboarding. I'm a huge fan for using it for workforce planning. It's too comp for humans to do workforce planning properly. It's really quite difficult, but the machines can do it very, very well. Right people, right place, right time, right skills. Very good at that. I also think HR chatbots are going to get more and more intelligent where you're not even going to know you're talking to a chatbot. And I think the, the, the areas of learning and development, there's huge opportunity there because you start to layer in the metaverse with AI and learning. And I think that's going to be a real frontier for HR. So I think they're going to be on curve with the rest of the organization with potential to be become leaders. I think just building on that from Tim, I think one of the things that I think HR functions, the strategic thinking ones will be looking at investing in this year is not necessarily in the physical tech, but it's in overcoming those barriers that currently sit in between HR being able to use those systems. So access to clean, high quality people data is a big one that a lot of HR functions still struggle with. So as a, a prerequisite to even getting to that stage of using these systems, I think that's that's a really big one that, that they'll be working on. And also to get ahead is to build that capability to be able to implement and manage these systems. I think that it's a case of walking before you can run. And the majority of the thinking and the investment this year is most likely to be in that planning for, as Tim said, the future where they will be able to prove to the business and make that business case that, look, we want to make the significant investment in something that can drive improvements across the employee life cycle and across the people function. But we first need to actually demonstrate that we're ready to make that transition. Yeah, Tim, I want to actually help if you can just build on this for me as well. In your because you're obviously going out to conferences, you're speaking to people all the time, you're speaking to HR leaders. Is that where the chatter is? It's how do we get the skills, the capability, the knowledge of people with the ability to understand AI? That's our kind of next step. Is that what you're hearing at the moment? Well, unfortunately not. People are more sort of focused on the shiny object, I think. And I'm more concerned when I think about AI, I don't worry about it killing us or or taking our jobs. I more worry about our ability to and the skills and capability to harness it, right? It's only as good as as you are at using it, right? So if you ever go play with a chat GPT, you learn really quickly that you probably aren't asking it the right questions and you get you get garbage. But when you ask it the right questions, it's super powerful. So what I've been telling HR people, which is don't focus on the shiny shiny object of AI. Focus on the fact it's coming and your your job is going to be to skill up the organization, to use it effectively, to use it safely. And that's the focus. I do think the one thing that is a, a barrier back to what Charlie was saying, a barrier potentially for HR, if you have not digitized your employee lifecycle. If you don't have software as a service platform in place to do H, you know, to do the the employee lifecycle end to end, you're going to struggle to use AI. It needs that kind of base level of digitization of the employee experience in order to then plug AI into it. And so that's one thing I do hear HR people concerned about, which is, oh, I haven't finished my, you know, the implementation of my digital workplace yet and my digital HR. And so I'm going to struggle. And the answer is, yes, you will. You really do need to get on with getting that full end to end from recruitment to exit. You have to get your entire workforce on a digital platform for HR. You're going to miss the train. You're going to miss the boat, whatever vehicle you want to talk about. You're going to miss it, right? If you don't have that, I mean, you're going to be way behind. Yeah. Can we actually just build on that then? Can I just get some more thoughts from you? 
in that from a, an experience perspective Tim because obviously we've just been running our campaign the employee experience revolution and you know a lot of talk has been how can we make how can we use this how can we use gen ai to hyper personalize the experience is that where this is going can you just give me some thoughts from that perspective from a from an experience perspective is that where you see the big gains being this hyper personalization what potential is out there from generative ai to deliver those amazing employee experiences I mean, I think that AI is going to be big in HR for people experience. Absolutely. I think the, the, the candidate experience is going to and is improving dramatically. The, the speed with which you kind of get through the process and the kind of look and feel and touch almost feels like a human is going to get better. That's going to be fantastic. I think, again, the other end of the spectrum is the learning side. I think we're going to see tremendous improvements in experience there when you layer in the metaverse. And I think the chatbots really, you know, again, HR has really led on using chatbots for a while and they just get better and better, right? They get more clever. And I think that's going to be someplace where really, ideally, I think they really are going to get to the point and are getting to the point where you just really almost don't even know it's it's not a human. And that's really where we need to get to. And, and I think that'll be that'll be kind of really exciting. Building on that, from my perspective, I think one of the bits that really excites me about the implementation for AI for businesses is it can be a real win from two perspectives. So from the employee experience perspective, as you said, Chris, I think the opportunity to personalize where previously it was too labor intensive to do it or the technology wasn't available, I think that's very exciting. But also on the flip side, to Tim's point right at the start, is that the boost of productivity and moving people away from repetitive activities activities and tasks onto more value add that can have a real boost to engagement levels across the organization so i think looking at it from those two perspectives is really quite powerful and talking specifically about that experience level and, and being able to really provide enhanced employee experience i think there's some opportunities for organizations that previously maybe didn't have the capability or the capacity to be able to deliver these really excellent life cycle for employees is that you can overcome some of the barriers of capacity management where previously you said, well, maybe we need to increase our HR headcount by X amount to be able to deliver this new learning experience or this new onboarding experience. AI has the ability to, to kind of smooth out that need to significantly in, increase headcount. And so it, it can provide that more long-term view where you don't have these big fluctuations to, to be able to support these initiatives. You can actually have the capacity built in to flex with how your workforce might change over time. I think that's quite exciting for HR functions to be able to have that ability. There's a world of possibility. I love the idea that things can be simplified and we have that hyper personalization, which can help to enhance those amazing experiences we talk about in the in the employee experience revolution. I want to go back to something you said earlier, Tim, when we were talking, and actually I think you, you mentioned it as well, Charlie, with the likes of the big tech companies who have already been implementing AI. And you talked about how well, some HR professionals, they've sort of been using AI, maybe they just weren't aware of it. So if I'm somebody listening in now, I guess my question to you is, if I'm a HR person thinking, well, if the systems themselves, if the tech companies themselves are implementing this, should it really be incumbent on me to be doing all of the research and work into this if a lot of the systems are going to pick up and do the heavy lifting, so to speak? So can I just get a, a thought from that perspective? If you're listening in as a HR director and you're thinking, well, we've got Workday, but surely they're going to, we've got Oracle and we've got SAP. Other systems are available out there. We are an agnostic organization. I must uh, point that caveat out at this juncture. But yeah, just get some thought on the person that might be thinking, well, if my system is going to deliver most of the AI functionality, what do I really need to know about it? Well, I, I come back to, if you don't know how to use it, it's it's really 
it's really just technology on the shelf. So you need to be absolutely on top of its capabilities and HR should be on top of helping the organization build those skills and capabilities to use it effectively, not just in the HR team, but across finance, supply chain, customer services, all those sorts of things. And so HR's real niche here and the most important part is hopefully making the case in the organization that, look, we should not be using this to wholesale replace people. We should be using this to augment people to make them even better at their jobs than they ever have been better salespeople, better customer service people, better supply chain. Because when we use it to cut cost, we're only, you know, the cost savings are a fraction of what you can get relative to somebody's productivity uplift. If you can get the human to be more productive and also more higher quality work, that's worth 10 times any cost savings you'll get from harnessing. So I think it's really important that HR takes the kind of front foot on this to say, look, we're going to be in charge of teaching the organization how to use this. And oh, by the way, we don't really need to be replacing people with it, it should be, how do we augment our people to make them better? Yeah, Charlie, I saw a bit of furious nodding there. And I said, you want to just yeah, add to that? Yeah, and I, I, think, I think that role that HR will play in upskilling and reskilling, I think to that point that Tim's made is that organizations should be looking to, to augment roles and there will be some roles that are removed, but also it'll be how can we reskill the existing workforce that we already have to take on new roles in this world where we, we're supported by technology. And I think It'll be how HR functions can support the business in upskilling from a TQ perspective, but also from a, an emotional and, and interpersonal intelligence perspective. How can they build those skills that people need when technology can do the repetitive tasks that we no longer want to do? I think shifting focus to that will be quite a big task and big focus for HR teams over the mid to long term. I've got one more question I wanted to pose to both of you guys, and then uh, it's free swim time. So if there's any other bits that we haven't covered, you are more than welcome to just to pluck out, because I think this is a, a topic that could be spent hours and hours and days and days going over AI, and it's constantly changing and shifting and evolving. You know, as I said, I've read about this custom GPT over the Christmas period, and now all of a sudden I started to think, oh, well, how's this going to impact HR teams? But all of a sudden, in six months' time, we're going to be in a different place. But that's the question I really wanted to get into, which is looking ahead. Head. So I think it was November 22, was it, that OpenAI first released sort of ChatGPT and it just exploded onto the scene. And then we had 2023 last year where everyone talked about it, people played around with it. But for big swathes of 2023, it was almost like this is a fun tool to then ask it to write a story for me uh, about X, Y and Z. But the practical implications, people were still trying to get their heads around. So if we fast forward to six months or 12 months or two or five years time, Charlie, I'll start with you and then I'll get Tim's view. What do you think we are? Let's just let's take it by the end of 2024. Where would you like to see us or HR and the practical application of Gen AI by the time we're doing our Christmas parties? I think what I'd like to see is that as I said, I think this is going to be a relatively small step on on the, the kind of long path to implementing it. I think Gen AI by the end of the year will be accessible and used by most teams. So I think that's what we'll be seeing. I think what we've, we've just been speaking about in that last question, I think like what I'd like to see is that HR functions are, are taking that step forward towards AI as a topic. So rather than standing back and waiting to kind of hear from a technology perspective or from the C-suite what the direction is, I think actually being proactive and thinking about how we can start to upskill ourselves and the business on this. I think what we haven't touched on yet, and it's probably a whole other topic for a different podcast in the future, is that what 2024, I think will 
will be is, is a big year for, for AI legislation. So the yeah. EU AI Act and the US AAA, I think are two big ones on the horizon that are in the process of being implemented. And I think HR functions right now need to be looking at, at what does this mean for us? They'll probably play a role in managing the use of AI in the workforce and who is responsible for its correct use. So I think that'll be a big topic and one that a lot of teams will be focusing on right now. Can I just quickly, just before we go to Tim, for those people who maybe aren't as aware of it, how much can you give us on some of this legislation that we've heard, or is there not a lot out there at the moment? So I think the EU AI Act is the most prominent one, and it's kind of one of the first out there is that um, one of the pieces that teams really need to be aware of is it's similar to kind of the AI equivalent of GDPR is the liability for when AI can go wrong really sits with everyone in the chain. It it isn't simply the organization delivering it. HR team or organization, you couldn't just sit behind and say, well, the system's been developed by someone else, so we aren't liable. Everyone in the chain, ultimately, if there is an impact on on an end user is, is responsible. And I think understanding that and the implications that has for how this really should be used safely and understood fully before it's implemented, I think it builds on that point, is really, really important. But more, I think, will come out as different opposing viewpoints from governments come out on how to best manage these and what level, I think what these legislations do is they split the liability on on different systems and how powerful they are and whether they should be under different levels of scrutiny. That'll be very interesting because I think a lot of the legislation currently puts the kind of onus on the system providers to self-govern and kind of self-label themselves as their implications. So I think it'll be very interesting to see where that goes. Definitely. Really, really interesting. Tim, so the original question was, where are we at at the end of this year? Or you can go further than that if you want to. What do, what do you want to see? Yeah, I'll take a cut at the end of this year and then I think two years from now. Yeah, um, So I think at the end of this year, we're going to, I think we're going to see two things. I think one, we're going to start to see the realization of people inside organizations saying, hang on a minute, this is a little bit like my own personal assistant. It's almost like my own personal research assistant. And I can ask it to do things for me that make me look really good in my job. And people are going to get excited about that. And they're going to demand the organization make that the technology that they'll be able to use going forward. And it'll look more and more like a digital assistant for people. And everybody will have one. The second aspect is we're going to see organizations that we look externally are going to become, I think, the beginning of being really good at commercializing AI to make more money. And I think that's that's something big that we're going to we're going to see. So we play out two years. The thing I'm really excited about at the moment, and it kind of got lost in the shuffle during last year, was that Apple are coming out with the Vision Pro headset. And this is going to change work dramatically in, in two years time. They've, they've put it out there not as a tool to play with at home. They've said, no, this is a work tool. This is going to replace the smartphone, right? So in two years time, I think we're going to see this merger of these types of goggles, these headsets with AI, and you're going to see a disappearance of the keyboard and the mouse and that sort of thing. And you're going to see kind of the these types of tools like the goggles or the, or the, the headsets are going to become part of how you work and they're going to be intelligent. And that's really when I think things are going to get really, really exciting inside work and, and outside. Nice. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't think I'd mind losing my keyboard because my one, I tapped the A button so much and the uh, the S button that there's actually worn off of my actual keyboard. So I wouldn't mind a headset so that I didn't have to worry about where all of the uh, buttons are that I'm wearing off. Charlie, just before we wrap up today, is there anything else that we maybe haven't picked up on or something that you want to emphasize that you think might be interesting for our listeners before we wrap up today? 
and this is going to sound planned, Chris, but this is actually, but there was a, there's a really interesting quote that I read up on the other day that I thought, thought might be useful for this. It's by uh, Andrew Young, who is the founder of Google Brain. He's sort of his prediction for and to, to visualize where AI could be and, and the impact it can have on organizations. And, and he's, his prediction is that any mental task that takes less than one second of thought is likely to be automated which I think is a quite an interesting way of thinking about actually where these simple repetitive tasks that don't take a lot of, of our kind of brain power, what direction AI could be kind of taking in our lives. Now, that's a fascinating idea, isn't it? And slightly terrifying as well. One of the things I didn't mention at the beginning of the show, what I've been doing for the beginning of this year, just as we wrap up today, we're going to have our fundamentally different question. And I forgot to do it at the beginning, so we're going to do it at the end instead. So just before we wrap up today, my fundamentally different question, because we've spent a lot of time talking about AI, and any time anybody talks about AI, if you're at the age that I am, the first thing you think about is Skynet. So, uh, Charlie, which of the uh, Terminators is the best Terminator? And uh, tell me why it's Terminator 2. Well, so this is going to be a, a really very bad controversial answer. It's probably going to be my last time on the podcast, but I haven't seen any of the Terminator films. Oh, so my God. My, my smart answer is it's the first one, because usually it's the first ones that, that is best and they get worse after that. Tim, save me here. Which is the best Terminator and why is it Terminator 2? Well, I mean, I guess my favorite one is is the second Terminator, only because one of my friends, his brother, plays the, that Terminator. So I'm not a big Terminator fan, but I did watch that film because uh, his brother was the Terminator, which was pretty cool if you think about it. That's amazing. <laughs> as in like Stuntman or as in like the T-1000? No, no, he was the actual, he was the actual Terminator in Terminator 2, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And on that bombshell, what a way to finish the podcast. Tim, thank you very much for joining me today. My pleasure. All the way from Jakarta and Charlie. Lovely to have you on for your podcast debut. And uh, Charlie, our resident AI expert, will be getting him on again to pick his brains in future, I'm sure, as well. Thanks, Chris. Uh, of course, you can get this podcast wherever you get this podcast. You can also access our back catalogue of podcasts on lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. We've also got our insights section where we often take some of the content and we'll turn it into blogs or some video stuff, or sometimes we uh, produce some webinars based on some of the bits that we talk in our podcast as well. I mentioned our employee experience revolution campaign. You can get access to that lacepartners.co.uk forward slash EX revolution. Hopefully you've enjoyed some of the pieces that we've been putting out. And if you haven't, go and have a look and have a check it out some really really interesting stuff and there's some content that we've pushed out there as well uh, from myself from tim and from charlie thank you very much for joining us and hopefully we will see you next time on the hr on the offensive podcast bye-bye